as I like to look at it, I spent the first half of my life helping people accumulate wealth, and now I spend the last half helping them give it away. I like financial planning because it was the people contact, not the numbers. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and we have an exciting, amazing guest lineup for you today. Today's guest is a man who built a very successful financial business, sold it, and since then has dedicated his life to bringing faith to more people, especially in the business world. I am speaking, of course, of none of it, the one, the only, the legendary Lauren Jackson. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Well, after that introduction, I don't know. I think you got the, this is the wrong Lauren Jackson, maybe. <laughs> oh, it's good. Thank you for uh, having me on your show. It's an honor to have you here, my friend. So, Lauren, um, this show is listened to by entrepreneurs and business people that are interested in um, growing their business, that are interested in making a bigger difference out in the world. And we in this show have a strong stand for freedom, free expression, and free enterprise. So we bring guests here who embody what uh, that is all about. And our listener wants to learn from you. But before they can open their hearts to you, they need to get to know you. So tell us your backstory. How would you get to be the great Lauren Jackson? <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure I got there yet, but uh, maybe someday when I, uh, when I graduate to heaven, that's when I get to be the great Lauren Jackson. Uh, well, a little bit of my background, I was, uh, I've been in the financial planning world since the 1970s. Most of you listening to this probably weren't even born yet. And uh, started in that in the mid-70s and continued through that and uh, ended up owning my own broker-dealer uh, in the financial planning world. I bought a company up in Ottawa that had about 65 financial advisors with us back in, uh, let's see, back in the 80s, that would have been. And uh, just uh, really God's timing. I bought that at the right time and I sold it at the right time. I bought that at a time when financial advisors were wanting to have their independence. They were leaving the banks and big life insurance companies and going independent. And that's what we were, we allowed them their independence. And we grew from 65 financial advisors, where 10 years later, we had 50, over 1,500. Wow. And, uh, and yeah, it was just an amazing ride. Loved every minute of it. Uh, and then I sold that and left there in 2001. And in 2002, I started the Canadian National Christian Foundation, which just seemed to be a natural flow out of kind of the thing I was doing before. Because uh, as I like to look at it, I spent the first half of my life helping people accumulate wealth. And now I spend the last half helping them give it away. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing stuff. So what allowed you to build a 65-person business into a business with over 1,500 people in it? 
Well, like I said, it was God's timing in my life. I went into that business when people were uh, kind of interesting because it's kind of gone full circle since then. Financial advisors were wanting independence and they were leaving the big banks and the and the life insurance companies. And guess what? Um, the company that I once had ended up back in the hands of Scotiabank and then Scotiabank sold it to Industrial Alliance Life Insurance Company. So <laughs> the guys that I recruited out of there are back there. Uh, everything kind of goes full circle, doesn't it? So, but it, it was a time where it was easy to uh, recruit people. Besides, I liked recruiting. I liked finding people and I would, I would say rescuing them from the big corporations and bringing them into their own independence and helping them be successful uh, as an independent financial advisor. And we were registered to do uh, life insurance products, uh, GIC investment certificates, and then mutual funds and other investments of that nature. So it uh, was a time when, hey, get this, Nikki, at that time, uh, the people were coming with us. A lot of people had invested in GICs uh, with banks way back in the early 80s when interest rates were like 18%, and that's what they were getting. And as their five-year GIC was now renewing, they were only going to get 10%, and people said, no way, I'm not taking a lousy 10%. <laughs> allows these 10% on my investment. Uh, that's too low. Well, today, we would both run with broken glass in our bare feet to get 10% on a guaranteed investment certificate. So it all it all worked in my favor and that we were a mutual fund dealer. So it allowed people uh, to take those low interest rates of 10% they were going to get and move it into uh, investments like mutual funds. So that's kind of how it grew. And we had we had one year in there it grew five hundred percent actually from one year to the next. Five hundred percent. Yeah, it was just crazy. And and I, I'll tell you another quick story. Uh, so when we were buying the company, when I was buying the company, I remember walking out of the lawyer's office and I said to my wife, "We now owe more money than I thought I'd ever make in a lifetime. How do you feel?" And she said, no, I'm fine. She said, we prayed about it. We feel this was God's call for us to do this at this time. So, uh, yeah, I'm good. Well, when we were setting it up, my accountant said, you need to set up the two companies because I was buying two. One was the mutual fund organization and the other one was the insurance organization. The insurance company had always made good money. So I said, well, or my accountant said, you need to have one of those companies owned by you and one owned by your wife. I said, well, give her the mutual fund company <laughs> because it hasn't made any money ever yet. And in fact, the year that uh, I bought it, it lost $15,000. And I thought, why would I even buy it? Uh, but we bought it anyhow, along with the insurance operation. I owned the insurance operation. My wife owned the mutual funds. And the year after I bought it, mutual funds took off. And from that point on, I worked for my wife. Wow. Because her business grew at 500%. Mine was steady, just steady plotting, but it never never grew anything like that. So um, say God doesn't have a sense of humor, and I think he does. I think God has a great sense of humor. Wow. Um, you know, I have a client who is um, an insurance agent, and he, um, he sells living benefits. He's got 200 people underneath him. He's in the recruiting game, and he's done quite well for himself, and he wants to get to the next level. And I, 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 he's going to want to listen to this episode and he's going to want to pick your brain <laughs> because that's uh, really top of mind as far as he's concerned. So recruiting, you liked recruiting. You enjoyed recruiting. Yeah, yeah. Why? Why? 
Um, well, I guess because uh, because I was growing my own company and I had to pay off the mortgage on the, the debt I had on it, for one thing. And uh, I was going to only be able to do that by having a lot more people selling a lot more product to make it work. Uh, but also, uh, I just I never I thought it was like uh, you're just kind of helping a guy out. You're going and having a coffee or lunch with him and tell him about how this can help, and and then he uh, makes his own decision. But uh, on that, Nikki, I, as I was growing up, so when I bought it, we had as I said, uh, it was a very small operation, like 65 advisors. Um, but but what happened is the previous owner that grew it to that was retiring. And I could see that the span of control for him as a manager was up. He was not going to grow it. In fact, he'd been around that number, and it would kind of climb to 65, and then it would fall back to 40-something, and, and that was what was going on. And so I said, you know, I don't think this is going to work for me to keep doing it the way he's been doing. Your span of control is way too wide. And, and uh, so I started hiring managers. So I would hire a guy in Toronto or Windsor, Ontario, or uh, Kitchener or somewhere that wanted to be a manager of other advisors and built it from 65 advisors to about 200 that way. Mm. And when we got to 200, that was pretty much Ontario. We had we covered a lot of Ontario by that time, but I could see that, okay, the span of control now has stopped again because now I've got enough offices with 200, enough managers to try to uh, oversee that I need to find another way. So then I started what I called regional partners. So I would go recruit a guy in Manitoba or recruit a person in BC, Alberta, in the different provinces. And because we have to work with inside of the securities commissions for each province, it was important that I would have a guy on the ground in that province that was responsible. Well, guess what? Uh, I grew that entrepreneurially so that that I recruited in Manitoba, for example, to recruit other managers in Manitoba to manage a group of, of salespeople. The guy in Alberta, the same thing. So we that's how we expanded so rapidly because these guys in uh, in these other provinces, I didn't pay them. They only got paid when they recruited more people who sold product through them and they got an override from that and that's how they would grow their business. So we were all in this together. It was a, a lot of fun but we were all aimed at the same way. We were all getting paid by recruiting more people, selling more product, helping more people, uh, and again, helping more uh, people have a financial advisor in Canada that can kind of help them think through their investments as well. So if you can get a winning combination like that, everybody wins, it works as well. That's, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty darn brilliant. And you know, the substack text of all this, I mean, you said you, you did it because you were looking to grow a business and, and you, you, you know, you wanted to pay your mortgage and all that stuff. But the subtext of all of this is you enjoyed recruiting because you enjoyed people. And yes, that know, is, that is, in fact, interesting thing on that. Lots of times when people want me on their board or a charity or some kind of a business, whatever, they always want me to be on the finance committee. I've been on a few universities boards and stuff and they'll say, well, you, you should be on the finance committee. No, I don't want to be on the finance committee because that's all about numbers in those places. I, I like financial planning because it was the people contact, not the numbers. Yeah. I always had somebody in the back office that dealt with the numbers. That wasn't my job. Yeah, it's all a people business. It's not a numbers yeah. business. Yeah, Everything's exactly. a people business. 
And you you understood that. And that I think is what made you such an effective recruiter. I mean, well, cool yeah, on and, it was, and it was never work. It was never work for me. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. I see that. Um, wow. That's that, that that's pretty cool. That's that's pretty darn cool, if I may say so myself. Um I I think that you grew a really big business and you got it to a certain stage. Why'd you sell it? Yeah, that's a, that's another good question. I think um, as I was growing, we became registered in all the provinces and territories across Canada. So we had financial advisors kind of coast to coast. And, um, and then it, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, all, all this, this um, financial industry was starting to kind of close in. Insurance companies were selling one to the other. It was, it was time of consolidating. And uh, we had, for a two or three years before I sold it, we had a stream of people coming to me wanting to buy the business, wanting to buy that uh, connection to all those advisors. And uh, I kept saying no, but there came a time where I said, you know what, uh, as one guy asked me, one of my uh, buddies that also owned a, a dealership similar to me, uh, asked me sometime later, he said, Warren, why did you sell that? And I said, because people were lining up at my door to buy. And I, I know enough about finance to know that if they're lining up at your door to buy, that's probably a good time to sell. Not when you gotta go out and try to find them and, and uh, encourage them to buy. So. Uh, and they, that way, it's almost like selling your house today. People get in a bidding war. Well, at that time, it was kind of that way for buying companies. They were almost getting in bidding wars trying to buy me out. And uh, that worked quite well in my favor. And, uh, and then uh, when you're ready for me, I'll move on to what the foundation is, because that's how I got, got started it. But I'll let you finish in case you have other oh, questions. Oh, I mean, uh, that, that's, that's very smart. You know, you... you uh you took the signal from God. This is the right time. <laughs> People are coming to you. So, Hey, saying, Lauren, sell your company. You go, okay, God, I'm taking the hit. I got it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and the interesting thing is uh, I had no idea at that time, of course, but I sold it in April of that year. And then it came out in the financial papers after that sometime later, that June of that year, the mutual fund industry hit its peak. And from that point, it started kind of falling off. Uh, in the same year that I had sold it, where I sold in April. So you have to say, uh, yeah, one guy said to me, boy, you were really uh, smart to, to be able to read that. No, I'm not that smart. Uh, I didn't read that at all. I think it was God's leadership on my business to say, now's a good time to sell. And, and that was in April. And by June, it was starting to slide down and values were falling. So it uh, was a good time to sell. Amen. Amen. So you sold your company. What yeah. made you decide to go from being a business owner to being a man who's in the business of building foundation and building faith? Well, um, yeah, that was, that was kind of, again, uh, a rather interesting time because as I sold the company, I ended up with a whole bag of cash and a bunch of public stock. So I had this big tax issue, of course, with the capital gain that was on my company because uh, it was uh, had a very low cost base. So I'm looking at it. And the year that I sold, here's another interesting fact. The year I sold, 
Uh, Revenue Canada changed the rules and allowed you to roll the capital gain in your company directly to a charity without paying the tax on the capital gain. Up until that year, you couldn't you couldn't do that. You would have had to sell the company, take the tax. You could give you could give it away money away afterwards and get credit back. But of course, you're never sure it's going to work out. Whereas I was able to transfer the shares, the public stock that I got directly into the public foundation, which is the Canadian National Christian Foundation, and get a charitable tax credit for that immediately. Actually, at that time, it was called a, a tax deduction. We didn't call it a credit then. Um, but I remember my accountant saying, wow, Warren, I can't believe it. You even got uh, you even got CRA on your side. They're making changes in the tax laws <laughs> when you sell the company. Like I said, God's timing is always right. Amen. Yeah. So you did that. So why did you want to do that? Why was that important to you? Well, first of all, it was important from a tax perspective, uh, as I've already suggested. And then um, once I got it set up, some of my buddies were saying, Lauren, I think you should run that. And I always thought, nah, I don't see running a foundation. That that sounds pretty boring. You can't be recruiting there. What are you doing? You're you're waiting for people to decide to give money away and you're going to help them with it. And that's, that that seemed boring to me, but uh, because I had just started it in uh, 2002, when I started the Canadian national Christian foundation, um, I decided that, well, okay, I should run it for a while to get it going and then I'll hand it off to somebody. Well, that was 2002. Here we are 20 years later. And uh, I still volunteer as the president of the Canadian National Christian Foundation today. Uh, and I think it's probably because the board will never fire me because they can't find anybody else to do it for free. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, it's been a wonderful ride. Uh, starting out with the foundation and uh, helping uh, some donors be more effective and more efficient in their giving. There's all kinds of reasons a donor uses a foundation, which we can get into if we have time. But um, also, then I, I looked around, and uh, as a, as a born-again Christian, I felt that the financial advisors that I had, uh, many of them were Christian as well, but I recognized that the advice they give they didn't look any different, really, than uh, perhaps a non-Christian. And from a biblical perspective, because there is so much in the Bible, in fact, two-thirds of all the parables that Jesus spoke in the Bible— um, were, were about uh, money and possessions. Uh, in fact, uh, there's more in the Bible about money and possessions than there is about heaven and hell combined. So as I realized that and I thought, wow, the advice they're giving looks the same. We need to help advisors understand what does the Bible have to say about investments. And, and Mickey, you, I'm sure your audience would know this, but a lot of the investment strategies that investment people use come right out of the Bible. I mean, all this stuff about uh, making sure you're well diversified and investing over the long term, all that comes out of Proverbs. So there's nothing new under the sun. So all of that, uh, realizing that, hey, the advice, financial advisors are really not giving any different advice. They're just talking about accumulate, accumulate, uh, have more money, but nobody's ever answering the question, how much is enough? So we started an organization called uh, Kingdom Advisors that I started in 2004. So foundation was 2002, two years later. 
started an organization that's now called Kingdom Advisor. We called it Advisor with Purpose for a while, but changed the name. And uh, Kingdom Advisor still functions in Canada today with Christian financial advisors learning biblical ways of managing money. That was, uh, again, a natural, but hey, I'm back in the recruiting again, Mickey, because now I'm recruiting financial advisors to use biblical wisdom in their financial advice. Pretty amazing. You know, um, I'm at a stage in my life where I'm looking to grow still, looking to grow my business, looking to grow my income, looking to grow my influence with people. And I, I'm a heart-driven man. I care about people. I care about their success. And I'm learning a ton from listening to you share all this. And it strikes me that there's a lot of value in putting your beliefs, your values, your faith at the center of what you do. And as a business owner, I say there's a lot of value in doing that, a lot of power in doing that. What are your thoughts on that statement? I have an answer for you right here. Uh, I don't know if you can see that, right? We'll get the light on it, right? Without it glaring. After the faith decision. Everything else is stewardship. There, there, it looks probably better there. All else is stewardship. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I wrote Did you that write book. that book because the yeah. author's name was covered? Yeah, yeah, I had my hand over it. That's right. I wrote that book uh, because I do believe that. I think that... Uh, I'm getting a signed copy, book. right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> when you read it, that's the question. Of course. I read about <laughs> 160 books a year, so I'm, I'm, oh, a, I'm okay. a voracious okay. reader. I mean, can you see the library behind me? I do see that. I do see that. That's good. Well, I, I asked that because uh, lots of guys I talked to, uh, I remember giving one to a guy one day, and then I asked him sometime later, I said, did you ever read my book? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. And then he opened his trunk in his car to get something, and the book was still in the trunk where he put it when I gave it to him. <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah, well, I, oh, I, I, I'll, read it, I'll tell you the truth about it, too. <laughs> Anyhow, it was just, it was good for a laugh. We both had a laugh about it. Um, yeah, I think that uh, we need to uh, live out our faith in our workplace. I think uh, it's not we can't we don't separate those. In my mind, uh, if I'm a God follower, then I need to live that out in the workplace. And that so what's that look like? Well, that that looks a lot like uh, integrity. Uh, following through on stuff. Uh, I know uh, one of the things you're probably going to ask me at some point is uh, three key things for success. And I would, I'll tell you one of them now would be do what you say you're going to do. It's very Just important. Do what you say you're going to do. Age, especially. Yeah. And, and we, uh, we had that, we used to have it on the screen of our computers in our office when I had the company, because I always said, if we just do what we say we're going to do, we'll be different than 90% of the ones of companies out there. And we became known by the McKinsey Mutual Funds and people like that as a place of integrity. And if they had a guy who came to them and said, hey, I'm, I feel like my dealer's ripping me off. I don't like what's going on. Can you refer somebody to me that's uh, got integrity? We would get the call. And uh, so that helped us also build. But just doing what you say you're going to do, is uh, going to separate you from a lot of them because what I find in business, a lot of people will make you all kinds of promises, 
but then there's no follow-up. Nothing ever happens. It's just that was to get you. It's like the, that saying when you were. That's what we told you when you were a prospect. But now you're a customer, so we just forgot you. All right. So you're back in the recruiting game. You wrote a book to talk about people putting their faiths, their values, their beliefs at the center of their business. And uh, I, uh, I, I, I wheedled out a, a signed copy out of you. So thank you for that. And here's my next question. So what keeps you going, my friend? You don't need the money. Okay. You've created a powerful legacy. You've changed lives, both financially and from a faith perspective. What keeps you going? So uh, that brings a, that brings a, another uh, part of my life in. So when I first left the for-profit world, uh, so back in like 2002 or so when I was getting the foundation going, I remember I had a call from a guy in Toronto that ran, in fact, they're still there. They're, I won't mention their name, but they're a big uh, money management firm in the Toronto, actually all of Canada. And uh, he says to me, Lauren, uh, we need a guy like you, because uh, he knew me when I ran my business. He said, we need a guy like you here. And he said, uh, you write your own job description and come with us. And I said, well, you know what, uh, John, that's a bit of a problem because I said, I've just started this foundation. I really need to get it going, uh, but maybe later. And and to tell you the truth, I had been saying to the Lord, God, if, if you'd let me manage another company, I love that inter interacting with people and helping people. I'd be happy to do that. And, and I know I, I don't need to do it for income because you provided for me in the sale of my company. But uh, so whatever I'd make, I would give 90% of it back to your work and I would only keep 10. So lo and behold, I get this call from this guy saying, why don't you come and work with us? And I said, well, I can't do it right now, but maybe later. He said, well, why don't you come and do it on a per diem basis? Just, I'll just pay you by the day and you work for us when you can. And I said, okay, let's try that. So $2,000 a day was what I was going to get. And I thought, well, that's pretty good. That's, this is back in the early 2000s. And uh, so I thought, yeah, that'd be good. Well, one day I was in Calgary doing some work and I was in the airport and I get a call from this company wanting me to do a bunch of work for them. And I looked at it and I went, oh my goodness, I don't really have time for that. And and I'm I'm out here working on, on this foundation work. And, and now, you know, what do I get for this? If I work for them all day today, how much do I get? 200 bucks. That's all I get because I'm giving the other 90% to God's work. So it was kind of like a light came on for me because I, I had said to God, Lord, uh, I don't need the money. I, I'm, I don't want to do it for money. I want to do it to help people. And then when I got actually doing it and I realized, wait a minute, I'm going to work all day and I'm going to get 200 bucks at the end of the day. Uh, yeah, maybe I don't want to do this. And it was like God said to me, I thought you said that this was to help people. Oh yeah, right. I did say that. Well, maybe it was maybe the money was more influence than I thought. So here's the good news, Nikki. From that point on, I have never entertained anybody just trying to say, "Hey, come with us, and we'll pay you this or pay you that." No, because I'd already tested that once, and I knew that wasn't what I was to do. So I was to volunteer my time, and I have continued to do that. I love what I do. I can go uh, play ten in the morning. I can be back to my desk by. Uh, 10 o'clock and work through the day, or I can take off and go somewhere with my wife. I don't have to worry about my time. But uh, 
when I am home, I got work to do. I got webinars to run. I got things to do that uh, keep me engaged. The end of that was, Nikki, that I realize now that uh, working for an income was not to be for me. And that I, uh, now, will I get paid for the work that I do? Yeah, uh, someday and eternity. And uh, I always say, hey guys, that'll last a lot longer than that money you're earning here because it's soon spent and gone and you gotta go and do it again. So uh, I'm very happy to volunteer my time as I do for, uh, so we actually do three things. We have the foundation, we have the work that I started with Kingdom Advisors, and then we also do estate planning for a lot of charities in Canada. So a lot of the bigger Christian charities, we do uh, work with their donors to help the donor know uh, what are the tax issues in my estate. And uh, I have financial advisors on staff who help us do that. Wow. So you're pretty busy. I mean, it's uh, only when I want to be. I got, I got, who has a better life than me? I can play tennis in the morning and work in the afternoon. I mean, yeah. That's the life, my friend. That's the life. We're living in a time right now uh, where somebody who wants to bring joy to the world is important, necessary, and needed. I see you as doing that. Somebody mm -hmm. who has faith and is bringing God to people is wanted and needed. Um, you know, we're having a situation where there's war in, uh, in the Ukraine. Russia invaded the Ukraine here in our great nation of Canada. Our uh, prime minister decided that he was uh, going to become a tyrant and he was going to invoke an act that has not been invoked after 9-11, but he was going to invoke it against peaceful protesters with bouncy castles and women and children. And, <laughs> and uh, so to, 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 to say the least, we're living in a volatile time. So to have someone like you do what you do, God bless you for doing it, my friend. God bless you for doing it. Yeah, it is a difficult time for sure. And unfortunately, so many people are uh, really feeling the effects of it in a, in a mental way. Uh, a lot of people hurting badly. And, uh, and unfortunately, even people uh, that have been friends for years separating because they're on one side or the other of this crazy thing. And uh, we've kind of lost our way. I, my saying is this. When COVID first hit, the first death from COVID was common sense. Yes. All common sense died at the beginning and there hasn't been any sense. So it's tough. It has definitely been tough. Uh, and men like you are what make our world a better place. So if people want to find out about the work that you do and your foundations and your kingdom advisors, what's the best way? So if you go to uh, cncf.ca, you can learn all about uh, the work that we do at the foundation. And I mean, let me just say, Nikki, maybe, a, so why would a person use a foundation? Because if they're doing their giving, they could just give directly to the charity, couldn't they? Well, they could. And a, but So all a foundation does is we're a conduit between the donor and the charities they want to give to. We're a conduit to allow them to flow that money over to those charities in a more efficient way. Now, when I say more efficient, I'm thinking of things like, like I did, where I had that public stock to give away. I didn't have to take that gain into account. I was able to pass that over to the foundation. And the foundation, because it's a charity, doesn't pay any tax on that gain. So, hey, they got a whole lot more money. I got a whole lot more tax deduction. And uh, everybody wins except Revenue Canada. 
and I don't kind of like a lot of the stuff Revenue Canada spends my money on, so I, I would just as leave have the decision making myself. So uh, that so one reason would be they've got public stock to give away. Uh, another guy that used our foundation said he wanted to pay off the mortgage on his church, but he didn't want anybody there to know who was paying it off. So he gave the money to us. Uh, we gave him a charitable receipt, and then we paid off the mortgage on his church. So nobody ever got to know where that came from. That's amazing. But we also had a guy. We've had a few guys now give us real estate. Uh, and that might be because uh, one of them had sold his business and he had a huge tax issue. And he called me and he said, Lauren, I got to give away $2 million before the end of the year. It was October. Uh, he said, if I give you a piece of real estate, could you uh, give me a tax receipt before year end? And I said, yeah, we, we could probably do that. So we had it appraised and, uh, and got the professional appraisers in, appraised it, gave him his tax receipt before year end. And then we sold that piece of property nine months later and turned it into cash. And he was able to give that millions of dollars out over the next three or four years. He actually gave that all out to his favorite charities. So that's another reason where a guy has a big income in one year. And it's like, I got to give away 2 million. That's October. I don't have any idea who I want to give it to yet. So let me have some time about this. Well, give it to us. You get your charitable receipt. And then you can take your time and give it out to wherever you want. So there's lots of reasons that a person uses a foundation and we're there to try to help make that the easiest way we can uh, for them to be able to do that. Amen, brother. Amen. God bless you for doing that. So it's cncf.ca and you can learn all about us there. And then um, if a person wants an estate plan, we'll actually do an estate plan for people for free. It doesn't cost them anything. So if you went into, into Toronto to hire somebody to do this, it's about $2,000 to pay somebody to do this. Uh, we'll do it for them at no cost. So if somebody wants to do an estate plan, they can go on advisorswithpurpose.ca. So it's advisors with an S on the end, advisorswithpurpose.ca. And uh, reach out to us, tell us that you're interested in doing an estate plan, and we'll do one. You know, I'm probably going to get my mother to do this with you. I mean, she's at an age where it's probably a really good idea. Yeah. And heck, I should probably do it too. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, so, listener, make sure that you go check out these uh, websites. Um, donate, 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 donate. <laughs> you know, it'll help you with your tax planning and you'll be helping forward God's work. So, um, Lauren, we like to end off each and every single episode by asking you as our guest expert for your top three expert action steps. But it looks like you want to say something first. So you go yeah, ahead and no, do that, no. then come back and tell us your top three step, expert okay. action steps. Okay, just before that, I wanted to, I just reminded uh, myself that we do have a connection through uh, a World Evangelical Alliance, which is an organization that's worldwide for all evangelical uh, churches. Uh, and they're in the Ukraine. And we can send money to the Ukraine. So you could actually help the people in Ukraine get shelter, get food, get out of the country, whatever, uh, by giving through us uh, to, uh, and we pass it over to the World Evangelical Alliance and they use it in the Ukraine. So uh, there is a way uh, that you can do that. That's amazing, man. I love it. I'll, I'll, I'll take advantage of that. That's a great idea. Um, so, so in my three, uh, so I've already given you one, do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. 
Uh, I would say, um, uh, let's see what else. The next one I would say is a very important one, and that is to keep God at the center of your business. Uh, God owns my business. I work for him. He's not uh, my assistant. He's not my executive associate or whatever. Uh, when I ran my business, I felt like God owns my business, and it's my job uh, to run that business in a God-honoring way. So uh, that would be my number two. And my number three would be uh, stewardship. What is stewardship? Stewardship is a good use of time, talent, and treasure. Uh, but I would say a, a godly use of time, talent, and treasure. But I would say, what about time with your family? What about the stewardship of your time with your family? This is a tough time. We've already talked about that uh, for our kids. Uh, my grandkids have been struggling through this time and having some uh, uh, health, minor health issues because of the stress that they're under and wearing masks and all of the stuff that we've been through. Well, uh, I think it's a more important time than ever for us to make sure that as, as men and women in business, that we're not living at the business, but we're actually setting aside time with our family and making sure that we're, that old lie about, well, it's quality over quantity. Yeah, no, not, not. It needs to be, it needs to be both. So uh, that would be my uh, third one is to make sure that you're being stewarding your time well so that your family is not suffering as you uh, build a business. Because what good is a business if you get to the end of it and you get to the end of life and you look back and say, yeah, I made uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, but I got nothing. Uh, I heard a good, a good statement the other day. A guy said, I feel sorry for these people that only have money. Yeah. If that's all you have is money and you have no relationships, it's a pretty, it's a pretty lonely world. So uh, yes. don't forget the family. No question. And you need, you need both. You need money and you need relationships. So yeah. it, 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 it's not an either or equation. It's you got to make sure you got both. And the older I get, the more clear I am. The, the thing that matters the most to me is being with the people I love. So yeah. you know, week after next is March break. I got my yeah. kids. Son's got hockey, so we can't go away for the whole week, but we're, we're going to go away for a part of it. We're oh, going good. to a, a log cabin in uh, near the, the, the um, Collingwood area, the Sega Beach area, and I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Yeah. We're, we're going to yeah. have a blast. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We have our kids all coming here uh, starting, uh, actually starting tonight. My grandson comes in, and then uh, the rest of the kids are all coming all over the next week or so, and they'll all be here at once. So we'll have like 10, 11 of us here, and uh, we just have a ball. Awesome. That's fantastic. So, Lauren, thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks again for sharing your wisdom. And uh, listener, Lauren Jackson is uh, uh, a man of depth, a man of substance. He's the real deal. Check out his foundation in the show notes. Uh, and you know, take advantage of his offer to do uh, some free estate planning. I think that's an incredible offer. And um, the way that you can find out all about Lauren is you go to the show notes in thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or to wherever you happen to listen to this episode. Okay. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about Lauren, his incredible book, his incredible foundation, 
all the amazing work that they do to put God at the center of life and the center of business. Go to the show notes again at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com. Go to wherever you happen to listen to this podcast, be it iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, and to find out how you can apply some of the principles we talk about in business to your business so that in these turbulent times, you can protect what matters most, which are your relationships with your family, as well as your wealth, and you can earn the money that you deserve to earn. Reach out to us, go to eastercoldacademy.com. There's a button there that says book a success call, take advantage of it, it's a free call. All you have to do is fill out your information, pick a time that works for you, and I'm offering this call to you free of charge to help serve you in these crazy turbulent times. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. 